Welcome to another episode of Crunch Time. My name is Mikey and I'm joined here by Sam. And today we are very excited because we have a very special guest. Please welcome former Purdue and BYU standout and current professional basketball player, Matt Harms. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Of course, man. I mean, before we get into really all the questions, I just want to ask, like, what have you been up to recently? And also with, you know, college coming back, are you excited to watch some of your uh, former teammates this season? So I, I got out here. I'm in Germany. Uh, I got out here about a month ago. Uh, we've already played four games. We got a fifth game this weekend of preseason. Uh, and then I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at the BYU basketball. I'm looking at the Purdue basketball Instagram. They're like, oh, we got like 60 days until our exhibition game. Uh, so I'm super excited. It just feels like it's still a very long time away uh, while I'm already like almost starting my season. I mean, that's really awesome. I know it must be weird not to be, you know, playing in front of a big crowd uh, either at Purdue or BYU this year, but we know big things are coming. And starting off with your childhood, you're actually from Amsterdam, which is a very devoted town for soccer. What kind of experiences did you have around soccer growing up? And did you have a favorite team or player? I mean, I had a little bit of an experience with soccer. Um, I, of course, I'm an Ajax, uh, Ajax Amsterdam fan. Uh, my dad has had season tickets for a very long time. Um, but I was never very good growing up. I, I was really tall, so I played goalie a little bit. Uh, I would just sit on the side and watch. I was never good enough to play, honestly. And that's why I never played soccer. You know, that's, I guess, you know, in a, in a country that doesn't have that many people playing basketball, that's how I ended up playing basketball because everyone was like, you kind of suck at soccer. I'm going to try, maybe try something else. <laughs> also, I like guess, side question, you know, a couple of years ago when uh, Ajax made that run, like, were you completely locked in, like, in the Champions League? And how much fun was that to watch? It's actually really hard to follow. I feel like, I don't know, I, I, I've noticed it now with following, like, stuff back over in the U.S. Um, I would see it like the day after and I'd be like, oh, that happened. You know, I, I'd be, it's kind of frustrating because it's just, it would happen like in the middle of the day. I'm like, I'm busy. I'm in class. I'm in practice. And I'm like, oh, wait, game just happened. You know, like, oh, we're going, we're going freaking advancing in the Champions League. Um, so it was really, it was really fun, but it was kind of like an after the fact fun for me. I wasn't watching any of the games live. Uh, I was kind of experiencing it as my dad was like, texting me like live texting me through all the games and then after practice i would pick up my phone and be like oh this is what happened um yeah (laughs) it's exciting it's exciting being an ajax fan yeah no that was a really cool experience and then so you started playing for the harlem lakers before moving to spain and uh playing there so what things did you learn in spain and how did that prepare you for college basketball in america right uh so i um going to spain was a cool experience for me you know it's kind of coming from the netherlands was just of course, not known as like a basketball powerhouse. You know, I think we're getting better, but you know, back seven years ago at this point, uh, it was a bit different. So, um, going to Spain was definitely something that really helped me. You know, really helped my career. Um, kind of prepared me as much as possible for coming to the U.S. Because you know, in the in the end, I think the U.S. is probably the best country uh, if you want to develop yourself. If you're a young guy, if you're a high school aged guy. Uh, it's definitely the best place to develop and, you know, get better just because of the level of competition. There's so many good players in the U.S. Uh, I feel like going to Spain was kind of like a step in the right direction for me to kind of develop myself as a young player. And then, you know, play one one more year in high school um, in the U.S. And I feel like Spain really prepared me really well for that. And, of course, you know, in itself, it was a great experience learning how to play basketball, learning how to get better, you know, and, um, 
getting to work with professionals as well, you know, playing for a youth team of a pro team. It was a just a one-year experience, but I really learned a lot. It was kind of the foundation for what I am today is what I learned over there. I mean, that sounds incredible. It's safe to say all that playing in Spain prepared you for America. You played for Sunrise Christian Academy and you even played for Chauncey Billups AAU team. What I mean, you really got some recognition from that. What did your recruitment process look like and why did you end up choosing Purdue? Right. Um, so my recruitment process was honestly really quiet uh, my senior year. So here's what happened. I, I played my senior year. I honestly did not play much. I really wasn't ready to play. You know, playing for Sunrise, we were one of the best 20, 25 high schools in the country. Um, easily, you know, we were playing top tier talent every single week. Um, and that was honestly something when I got to Sunrise, I really wasn't ready for. Um, I kind of grew into a more, you know, a, a solid role off the bench uh, by the end of the year. But that really wasn't enough for um, a lot of college coaches to come knocking. So what I was going to do is like take a postgrad year, um, which would allow me to play AU in the summer, which I, I didn't then did, which kind of, you know, uh, taking that year at Sunrise and really playing that insanely high level of competition, playing the the Jason Tatums, the Tom Makers, and the Josh Jacksons, and the, the Miles Bridges guys, you know, guys that are in the NBA now, uh, playing those guys every single week where we play NBA-level guys. Taking that experience and kind of translating to like, hey, I'm, I'm playing AU now, and um, the talent level isn't necessarily as high, which kind of allowed me to stand out a little more. Uh, and from there, I kind of started really getting some interest, you know, after, after my senior year. I, I think I had one, I had one offer. Um, and then, you know, around the end of summer, beginning of my postgrad year, I really started having some offers. Um, and as to where Purdue kind of fit into that picture, it was it was actually extremely easy. Um, it was like, what's the best school? And every single category, it just turned out like, oh, Purdue's the best. Like academics, Purdue's really good. Like sports, Purdue's really good. Um, what coach do I like the best? Oh, I like the Purdue coach the best. Oh, um, where like where did I enjoy my visit the most? Oh, it was Purdue. So um, that was really easy. It was actually like very easy to make that choice um, just because out of all the, all the other schools that recruited me, like Purdue was just such an obvious choice for me. You know, I, I took one visit um, after it, I believe. Yeah, I took one visit to Purdue. Then I took a visit to Washington State and I was like, ah, this is easy. Like, I, I know I want to go to Purdue. And that wasn't a knock on any other school that was recruiting me. That was just like Purdue was such an obvious fit for me. Right. I mean, Purdue is obviously known as one of the top premier, you know, schools for basketball. So many awesome recruits every year. And then, you know, touching on your college career there, you had a very unorthodox start, you could say, because you had to redshirt part of the season. So if you don't mind, what was that process like and how did that help you or what what effect did that have on the rest of your career being able to redshirt? Right. Uh, so. The interesting thing about that was that I was planning to just take my postgrad year and play. And, you know, I committed early. Uh, before the season, and I was just planning on committing and then being committed, signed, and then just playing my postgrad year out. Uh, but it actually turned out that, you know, they had a spot on the roster for me and an opportunity to come redshirt, um, which I was like, this, you know, it's a great opportunity for me um, just to be on a college team instead of, you know, technically a high school team with a bunch of postgrad guys. Um, so I, I took that opportunity right away. You know, I was like, hey, I can come to campus. I can be there. The day after Christmas is when I got up there. So I went home for a little bit, left Sunrise, went home, uh, back home to Amsterdam for a little bit. And then Christmas Day, got a Christmas Day of 2016, I believe, uh, got on a plane uh, and went over to Indiana. Uh, and then the next day I was at practice, 
with a college team, uh, you know, with a team that would eventually win the Big Ten. So that redshirt, I never say redshirt year because it was just a semester. You know, it was my redshirt semester, uh, but it was insanely valuable for me. You know, it's um, I think a lot of guys usually see it as kind of a knock on them and they go, I'm not good enough or whatever. And um, but sometimes you need to take that. Yeah, I wasn't good enough. I was not good enough to step on the floor with those guys, uh, you know, with that team that won the, the Big Ten championship when I got there. Um, but I really like to think that at the end of the year, you know, I, I was in a place where if I was able to play, then I could have contributed. Um, and it's so great the redshirt because you kind of get like a little trial run of everything, you know, like nothing really, you don't really have an impact tank on the final product that much, but you just get to be there and have the experience and have access to these top notch facilities. And you kind of already get to do a little trial run of everything before, you know, you do a full year where you're actually playing. So retraining is just super valuable, man. Like, I feel like a lot of guys see it as, you know, kind of that thing where it's like, oh, I'm not great. I'd rather be playing. But from a player like me who needed it physically and then also, on, you know, learning on the basketball court, it was super valuable. Safe to say you really enjoyed that redshirt season. And I think one of the coolest things about you is that you're steadily improving throughout your college career. And by the 2019 NCAA tournament, when you guys made it to the Elite Eight, you were getting some pretty big playing time including that win against Tennessee. What was that experience like for you? And do you have any memorable stories from the big dance? And it was, it was super fun. You know, it's um, the crazy thing about the NCAA tournament that I started realizing is that watching as a spectator is so much different than actually being at, um, you know, in terms of the way you view all these other games, because being in the tournament, it, it doesn't feel as busy. You know, like I feel like when the tournament's going on and you're just watching, you're like a million games and I got to have five TVs running just to catch like every bit of every game that I want. Uh, but playing in the tournament, just because you have such a, an ultimate focus on, you know, your opponent and whoever that may be, you know, maybe the first round or the second round or wherever you end up going, you have such an ultimate focus on just your opponent that it really feels like that's all that's going on. You know, it's like, oh, we're preparing for we're like that game against Tennessee, you're like, oh, we're preparing for Tennessee. And it feels like no one else is even playing any games. It feels like the whole world is going to watch your game um, just because that's all you're focused on. So the NCAA tournament is definitely just such a special experience. You know, it's just there's so much weighing on it. Your whole season, basically, you know, whether your season feels successful or not, uh, is in this one and done tournament, which is unmatched anywhere else. You know, I'm so glad that. Um, Basically, every, you know, every single year they had a tournament uh, during my college career, I've been able to go, um, you know, I've been to the NCAA tournament, uh, yeah, five times, yeah, four, no, four times, I think. I've been to the NCAA tournament, you know, I've been to the Sweet 16, I'm in the Elite Eight, and then with BYU, you know, we made the tournament after five years uh, out of the tournament. So it's an insane experience. You know, I know I'm very blessed. I know not a lot of players get to do what I did. Uh, in terms of winning and putting myself in that position, but it was just it's, it's, the tournament is such a fun time of year. Even yeah, more I mean, fun as a player. Oh, sorry, sorry. A, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you're good. But it's even more fun as a player than it is as a spectator, I think, even though it's really fun as a spectator. And like you said about the one and done, how do you guys prepare both like mentally, obviously, for that one game and also physically? Because, you know, between the first and the second round, there's pretty much only one day. You guys have to analyze your opponents. So what is all that like? Yeah, it's uh, it's really tight. It's really weird, too, because, you know, kind of as you move on, you're supposed to be playing better teams. Uh, and the funny thing is that between the first and the second round, I feel like that's the biggest difference. Usually, like if you're a, um, you know, if you're a four seed, you're playing a 13. 
which of course is going to be a tough tough game you never you can never look past that because that can just be an upset in waiting if you're not paying you know if you're not doing the right thing you're not preparing the right way but the next round you're playing a five seed and that's usually like a five seed is usually a top tier team in a power five power six conference um so you really only get like the one or two days for that it's really weird and it, it kind of requires you know being able to move past your previous opponent really quickly and kind of forgetting everything you learned that was specific to that team um like you know like for example you would uh we would work on specific things you know scouting report and then the second you beat that team you're like we got to forget every single scouting report thing we did every single adjustment to our plays that was based on that scouting report we have to forget and we have to put in an entire new scouting report in a day um and that's i feel like you see teams that are able to do that you know a lot of those cinderella runs are also based on of course teams getting hot at the right time but teams just being able to adjust within one or two days to a new opponent yeah i mean that's really interesting to think about and you know also talking about your college career you happen to be teammates with one of the most talented point guards in purdue history and carson edwards so what was your relationship like with him and what kind of guy is he in the locker room Ken Carson is a is just a fantastic guy. You know, I I don't know if a lot of people know him that the way his teammates would, because I don't think he, you know, he really had that uh, kind of flair and personality like off the court. I feel like you don't really hear, you know, you didn't really hear that much about him, but it's probably because he's working out. That's probably why you didn't hear much about it, you know, from him. You know what I mean? Like the second he steps on the court, it just shows how prepared he is every single time. You know, he's one of the two most hard hardworking guys, you know, the other being Caleb Swanigan, who you have to like kick out of the gym if you want to not work out. And Carson is the same way. You know, he's always getting better. He's always trying to, you know, work on his craft and he loves basketball to such a degree that he's willing to always be working. So um, you know, I think you could see it in his freshman year already. You know, it's just a guy that was so clearly gonna be extremely successful what he was doing just because he had such an amazing attitude towards it. You know, he's, he has kind of like that mama mentality where he's the friendliest guy. Carson is such a friendly dude. Like, he's so nice and he's so respectful to anyone. But then the second he, you know, he, he steps on the court, he wants to take your head off. Like, he wants to kill you for a basketball. He'll kill you for a basketball. And, and I think that's awesome. I think he's such an amazing teammate. I think he's such an amazing player as well. So just being able to be around him is just infectious. You know, everyone on that team wanted to be just as good as him and have that same work ethic. And of course, you know, even with everyone coming for him and being like, hey, we want to work just as hard as you, he still outworked everybody. So he's a special player and you know, he deserves everything he's ever gotten. And the fact that he's in the NBA now, like even for a smaller guy shows how, you know, hard he's willing to work to get where he is. Something really cool I find about you is that even though you did transfer from Purdue, you only have positive things to say about them. But ultimately you did transfer to BYU, you know, we know that your recruitment was a little bit busier for this time around. Were there any other schools interested in you and why did you decide to make that move to Utah? Yeah, so, um, you know, like you said, I don't have anything but positive things to say about Purdue. Um, but, you know, after three and a half years there, uh, it did come to a point where I was like, hey, I think I think it's time for me to move on. Uh, I think it's best for me to uh find a different team you know i saw kind of saw my position in a team i'm like hey travion williams is a first team all league kind of guy um and i'm in the same position as him uh, and i think this team is going to move in a direction where they really want to play with those young guys you know they have, a, they have a bunch of young guys this year very young team a bunch of freshmen a bunch of sophomores playing um and i think they want to move in a direction where you know hey that's going to be their new core so I just kind of felt like, hey, the team was kind of moving past me and it was time to for something new. And then, you know, 
like you said, that recruitment was a lot different, um, a lot busier. I think almost every single school in the country called me. Uh, and that's when I made the amazing realization that, um, you know, not every team needs a guy that's 7'3", but every single team in the country probably wants a guy that's 7'3". So everyone just, you know, everyone makes the call. Uh, everyone makes the quick recruiting call. And, you know, that that went from teams like Kentucky and Texas Tech, who uh, were my final three. Um, but then basically name a conference and I can name four to five teams that called me uh, out of that conference, which, of course, is very it's an amazing experience. You know, it's like, hey, really fun to kind of feel wanted like that. Uh, but in the end, it, it really just came down to a couple of factors like, hey, how I have to really feel like I'm needed um, because, of course, you know, hey, a college coach has to do their job. And they have to be like, we want good players. So um, any team wants to add more and more players. But I really felt like I needed to go to a place where I was needed. And where, you know, my my main really my question was like in my little notebook, like what team needs Matt Harms to win games to go to the tournament? Uh, and I just kind of came to BYU. I was like, you know, I can add the most there. Uh, and, you know, once it all came down to it, it just kind of becomes a pretty easy decision, even though there was so many factors and so many things to weigh. I mean, that's pretty insane, like all that interest. I mean, that must feel really special, obviously. And then you obviously made a great move to BYU. You guys made the tournament. You had a really great season. And then we're going to move on to your next exciting chapter of basketball, which you already referenced at the very beginning of the episode. But you said you're in Frankfurt, Germany right now, right? Yep, that's uh, that's where I've been for about a month now. Um, you know, just started practicing a few weeks ago, playing a lot of preseason games, uh, playing for the Fraport Skyliners here in the, the first league of Germany, the, the Bundesliga. And I'm super excited to, you know, be a pro now. It's kind of interesting. Um, after five years of college, uh, kind of coming into this and uh, actually getting a paycheck at the end of the month, like, hey, this is for playing basketball. You know, this is not like a scholarship check. Um, I'm actually getting paid to do this. Uh, so it's super, it's awesome. You know, being a pro is really cool. Like, were you torn between going back to, like, BYU for, like, one last year? Did you know that it was the right move for your career? Uh, yeah, of course. You know, uh, after the season, it's it's not something I thought about uh, until after the season. You know, I, I, I basically said from the beginning, um, whatever happens, I'm gone. Uh, before the season, I said that. I was like, hey, I know that there's a possibility of that we get the year back and, um, and all that. But I basically said from the beginning that I was going to leave. Uh, but then after the season, I was like, hey, let's let's actually give it some genuine thought. Um, you know, let's, let's actually make a decision here instead of just dismissing this because it could be the right choice for me. Uh, I thought about it, and then, you know, it turned out to not be the right choice for me. Uh, we had, of course, uh, another senior, Alex Barcelo. He, he, you know, made the choice to come back, and I think that's the right choice for him. Uh, and I think he's going to be fantastic there for another year at BYU. But in the end, I felt like it just wasn't the right choice for me, and uh, I was ready to go be a pro, you know, go go do this thing, go get paid for what, you know, for doing what I love. So um, it, it was a pretty hard choice in the end. You know, I, I kind of wish that I just dismissed it like I had <laughs> the whole season um, just because it, it it does become tough. It's like, hey, you know, I really love these people, you know, over a year I've built up a great relationship with all these people. And it, it was tough to leave. But in the end, I'm, I'm really happy with my choice. You know, I'm doing great out here. I'm super happy uh, to be in Frankfurt. and to be a pro, uh, you know, playing at the highest level in Europe is it's an amazing experience as well. Yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty awesome. And also, like, what you said about, you know, getting a paycheck, I think one of the most interesting things that has happened in the last year of college sports is that now um, 
NCAA athletes are eligible to get paid. So what are your thoughts on all of this? Like, you know, what, what, are, what are your just initial thoughts? Do you think this is the right move? Are you happy for the players? Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic that guys get these opportunities. Uh, you know, I kind of I feel like kind of when like a little bit before, maybe a couple of years before I uh, I came into college was when, you know, the Instagram era really started, you know, guys gotten big on Instagram and I feel like now it's in full swing. You know, you have to like guys that are 16 in high school uh, with like a million followers, uh, you know, like guys like Mikey Williams, he's like three, four million followers on Instagram. And I think it's great that these guys are like able to to monetize that. now. you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the NCAA really had no right to restrict that in the first place. So I think it's uh, it's long overdue to allow that. Uh, and I'm super happy for the guys. You know, I, of course, you know, the guys that I've played with, I've kind of seeing them do these deals and um, help building, you know, seeing how they're building their brand. Uh, it's super exciting. You know, it was also something that I over like had to weigh when I was like coming back or not. I was like, oh, is that going to go through? Is that going to make a difference? Um, uh, but I think it's awesome. I think it's really great. I think it was long overdue from the NCAA. Uh, I get to be the old man that criticizes the NCAA now because I don't play anymore. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's great. I think the, the decision was great, but I think it should have been like that 15 years ago or whenever the NCAA started. Um, but I think it's really great that these guys get to finally uh, make money off all this this platform that they built. You know, the athletes built the platform. Uh, nobody would watch the NCAA if not for the players. So. I think it's great that they're finally able to just use their own image. You know, you are not, it's not even getting directly paid from the universities, which is a whole, you know, a whole different can of worms to get into. But um, I think this is a great first step uh, towards fair compensation for athletes in college. I completely agree. I also think it was necessary for the NCAA with now a lot of these guys making the jump to the G League. And I don't think they would be able to compete, you know, when the G League is paying guys $500,000 a year and, the most the uh, universities can give is an education and just one season. And most of these guys are leaving after anyways. So I think that's something definitely to pay attention to. And this last question we've asked to every athlete we've interviewed, especially this applies to someone like you who seems very driven and determined. What goals do you have for yourself coming up and what do you want your legacy to look like? Man, my legacy. That's a, that's a deep question for a guy. You know, I'm 24 years old. That's really not something I've ever considered, to be honest with you, man. Like, so at, at this point, you know, I, I've just become a pro. I've just kind of, I've kind of reached a goal. You know, I think a lot of guys would feel the same. I've just reached a major goal in my life, which has become a professional basketball player. Uh, I guess my new goal is to stick around. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting goal. It's just kind of, uh, you know, I excel in what I do here. Um, you know, hoping to be in Frankfurt for a while, um, doing my thing here, playing well, and then um, see where that takes me. Uh, and I just, stick around as a professional basketball player you know i just kind of talking to the older guys on the team it's it's a lot harder than it seems um so just being able to stick around and stay a professional basketball player um it's maybe not it's not the goal probably that i i, I first saw to have i was like oh i want to be the mvp of the euroleague in three years uh is probably what i would say like you know like a couple years ago um but now that i've reached my goal of becoming a pro it's kind of like just stay a pro uh, just stay a pro basketball player because every single year, you know, new guys are coming in uh, into the ranks and it's just about keeping your job. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to stay a pro. And then for my legacy, you know, I uh, I really don't know, man. I'm, I'm too young to think about my legacy. Maybe in like 12 years, you can have me on the podcast again when I'm about to retire. <laughs> and then we'll get, we can talk about that. But right now I'm just uh, I'm just enjoying the fact that this is my job now uh, and that I have a career that 
you know, considers putting the basketball in a hoop something to be successful in, uh, which is awesome. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. It was truly a privilege to get to speak with you. Best of luck. Whatever you're doing this upcoming season, we'll be rooting for you over in the States. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me, man. This is a, this is a fun time. It's, it's 1230 at night over here, um, but I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's always fun to do this kind of stuff.